You are listening to 101.5 UMFM. This is 393 located. You are listening to 101.5 UMFM. The radio program is This is 393. The radio show and podcast of Studio 393 in Winnipeg, Manitoba. We are located in the Skywalk, the West Skywalk to be exact. So please check us out. We offer them from Monday to Fridays, dance, music, recording, visual arts workshops, and many things more to do with the arts. This week's episode, we focus on, again, Black History Month and some of the artists of that diaspora that do music in the city. Our first thing that comes up is an interview with Rhonda Thompson, who is part of the Black History Month committee in Winnipeg. March 2nd brings us to the Black History Month culmination, the ending point for them, and it's the awards ceremony, so she will tell us a bit about that. Thanks for listening to 101.5 UMFM. Hello, and you're listening to UMFM 101.5, and this is Studio 393. Today, we're having a conversation with Rhonda. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hi. Hi. So, um, what's your relationship with Black History Month? So, I'm actually the treasurer and the PR person for Black History Month Celebration Committee, Inc., in Winnipeg. Um, We've been doing Black History Month events here in Winnipeg since 1981. It was founded by the local chapter of the National Black Coalition of Canada. Um, Back then, there was a very small black population here, so the fact that they were able to pull something off like that back then is extraordinary in and of itself. I've heard stories I... I wasn't in the scene back then, obviously. You can tell by my voice. But um, there was a number of stories that have been shared with me over the years of the fact that um, black people had a lot of struggles when they came here. My parents came here in the late 70s. And um, to hear them talk about stuff, you'd be amazed and shocked that it happened here in Canada. So that's the reason why we have so much passion behind this, because um, to this date, now now we're 38 years down the road, and we're still facing some of those same struggles. So is there something uh, significant about uh, February? that that why it's on that month absolutely so back in 1926 carter g woodson started negro week and he had chosen it to be celebrated in february due to two um, strong people in the abolitionist movement so it was frederick Douglass and uh, president abraham lincoln so both their their birthdays are in february and that's why february is chosen nowadays most people think oh my goodness it's the coldest month and it's the shortest month why would you pick that know that there was some substance behind that and if we could change it we probably would but um that's something for future generations to possibly do (laughs) how did you start getting involved with uh black history month and sort of uh, being like an activist in this way absolutely um i got started because i was a member of the jamaican association from the time that i was 11 years old now back then when i started um, when we first started venturing out you know at 11 years old you're kind of able to take the bus on your own you're able to branch out of your own area you're able to cross the street and play with other people and in my area there wasn't a lot of black kids and so at that point you're kind of trying to figure out who you are and um, what you're about and when you 
you don't see yourself reflected on TV, you don't see yourself reflected in your classroom, you don't see yourself reflected at your daycares, then you start to want to venture off. And that's what my sister and I did. I have a twin sister and an older brother. And my parents were able to connect us with the Jamaican Association of Manitoba. And we had a Saturday morning class that involved history lessons as well as dance classes and cooking lessons. So we got to learn a lot about our Caribbean culture and that made us connect and allowed us to connect with kids that were from different areas of the city where we normally wouldn't get to see them because again we weren't allowed to get on the bus by ourselves. So fast forward to 2007 when I first started with the Black History Month Celebration Committee, um, Mrs. Mavis who was the president of the Jamaican Association and a member of the Black History Month Celebration Committee was on board and she asked, she's like, oh I'm looking for some young people, get on board, give back to the community that gave so much to you and we said, sure, why not? So so we jumped on board and yada, 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 we're here 11 years later. My sister and I are um, members. We were the ones that kind of do the legwork for the committee at this point. And we get out there and try and get to the schools. We get to the media. Um, we get out, we're on social media and we're doing all that other stuff. So um, it's been a great way for us to give back to a community that, that gave so much to us and gave us an outlet. So do you feel um, Black History Month is, uh, it's, it sounds like it's very beneficial for people of color, but do you think it's also beneficial for, pe uh, uh, beneficial for people that are not of color to lear learn all of this and learn, like, learn this history as well, too? Absolutely. Um, you'll hear in the media now that they're talking a lot about reconciliation in the indigenous culture, and it's important for us as individuals that are sharing the same space, breathing the same air, and walking the same streets, that if we don't know about the person, we might make assumptions, we're going to um, do things that we might not normally do, and, and ignorance sometimes is bliss, but when you think about it, it's how much would it take for you to get to know the next person, and that's how connections are made, and that's how relationships are m formed, and that's how we can collaborate and, and find out what the greater good is for all of us that are concerned. So actually this year, our theme is honoring our shared history. So we really tried to find different ways that we can reach out into different communities and have collaborations. So um, the, the Winnipeg Public Library came on board this year, and they actually did an official book launch um, with a extensive book list and they worked with Black Space Winnipeg to get that done. Um, so it's available on online and everybody can have uh, a piece of the black community and the black culture and get to know more information. What is Black Space Winnipeg? Um, black Space Winnipeg, I can't really speak be too, too completely yeah. on it, but um, from our, our collaborations in the past, it is a collective of like-minded individuals that are looking to encourage individuals to learn more about the black culture, and it creates a space that is safe for um, black artists and um, members of the QPOC uh, population and people of color in general to have a space where they feel like they're being heard and that their, their issues are going to be tackled and confronted and dealt with. Um, I totally forgot how I was going to word this, but what's your favorite part about being in the Black History Month committee? 
Uh, I think it's the connections we're able to make with um, every year we have a new organization just kind of reach out to us and say, you know what, we want to get on board. And these are not black organizations that are coming on board. These are um, members of the wider community that want to just be a part of what we're doing because they understand that if we can make those connections, we can make our world that much smaller and we can truly find that oftentimes our histories are a lot more alike than we like to think. So what does uh, the closing ceremony look like and how is that a, because it's a really big month and yeah, I just want to know how that's brought to yes, sort of a close. absolutely. Yeah, so it's a culmination of the whole month of activities and that is where we are able to come out, we dress up, we sit down for a wonderful meal and we actually celebrate the achievements of blacks in our community, our direct community. We have an awards ceremony and so we are able to honor and respect those that have given so much back and we have them in sports, religion, um, long service, we have um, a youth award, we have a human rights award, so there's nine, and we encourage individuals to let us know throughout the year who we should be focusing on so that we can honor and respect them and let others know what they're able to bring to the table. It's a great way for us to end it. Um, oftentimes the government officials come out to celebrate with us and we have people of the community that come out and the f folks that we've never even met before and sometimes it's, it's just a nice place for us to kind of get together and celebrate each other and get to know each other. It's Saturday, March 2nd, uh, 2019. It takes place at the Jamaican Cultural Center. That's 1098 Winnipeg Avenue and the tickets are available online and you can reach out to us at bhmwinnipeg.com Cool. Uh, you're listening to 101.5 UMFM. This is Studio 393. Uh, you are listening to 101.5 UMFM. What you just heard there was an interview with Rhonda Thompson, one of the main members of the Black History Month Committee in Winnipeg. We're going to go into an interview now that was previously recorded. So it's an old, older interview, not too much older, with uh, Malcolm J. Malcolm J is a recording artist that records and releases things independently. He uh, was a member of the group called The Happy Unfortunate uh, with Envoy, as well as put out some solo material. Gets into a bit of his background and what goes on with him and his regular life and just educating the youth. So once again, this is 101.5 UMFM. Check us out. You might hear some new music by Malcolm J in the set as well. You're listening to UMFM 101.5. And today we're sitting here with a very special guest. Can you introduce yourself? This is uh, Malcolm J. So as a rapper and a producer, do you usually like to produce your own music or do you rather have someone else do it? I'm a big fan of producing my own music. I probably produce about 90% of the songs that I put out. And the main reason for that is oftentimes if I have writer's block, I'll go into producing and that will inspire me to you know, switch over to writing and vice versa. So... It just helps my workflow sometimes when I just, I'll oftentimes produce things myself and then maybe I'll send it off to someone else to add additional elements to it. But yeah, that's typically how it goes. How did you get into producing? I got into producing uh, about six, seven years ago and I was in a group called The Happy Unfortunate and uh, my other bandmate was a producer and I was strictly just a rapper and I've always wanted to learn because, you know, it's interesting and it's you want to contribute in different ways. So, um, yeah, I got into it that way. I learned through uh, the person I was working with in the group to get into it. So, 
Yeah, so every rapper starts somewhere, and you told me earlier that you'd uh, freestyle every day after school. Well, when did this turn into a freestyling thing to more of, I want to pursue this? Oh, um, man, I, in all in high school, you know, you just freestyle for fun, and then I started doing gigs when I was 17. And I think Ness knew me around then when I was first started doing gigs, so I was just 17, actually old enough, just old enough to go to the bars. My partner, we had to sneak into the bars because he was too young, you know? And um, and that's around that time, I wanted to take it as like, hey, I really enjoy doing this. I want to show it to other people. And then I would say I've been seriously taken as like, I want this to be like a second career for me for probably the last five years, I would say. So. Dope. So when did it uh, turn into something that you knew you were taking seriously? Like how far into it were you when that happened? Oh, you know, once you start performing, honestly, uh, once you get hooked on performing, you're just like, man, I love doing this, and you just get inspired. And I was doing that for a really long time as a group, and when I went solo three years ago, I was just like, I love, I just want to keep doing this. So I'm doing like three, four shows a month because I just love doing music. So uh, I would say when I wanted to do it seriously, when I was like 18, but when you when I finally like got my head wrapped around how to do it properly and all that, probably like five years ago. No. Yeah. Here at three nine three we have a lot of artists and our writer's block is something we go through usually. So would you have any tips or anything to uh writer's block. There's a lot I often wrestle with this problem all the time myself. And if you're strictly a writer, oftentimes I would say just write things that are stream of conscious sometimes. And I think whether it's hip-hop writing or any kind of writing just write whatever's on your mind even if it's nonsense even if it's not great uh, oftentimes just emotion of writing something down helps inspire something else and uh or sometimes change your environment oftentimes i feel uninspired if i'm sitting in the exact same room for five hours straight listening to the same beat you know so it's great to get a different change of environment and the environment can inspire you to talk about something different kind of thing. At, at this stage in your career what do you find is more prevalent like do you find yourself producing more often than writing and is it is it is it where you want it to be right now yeah you know i uh i wrestle with this issue sometimes because of, as a producer there's really like a it's just like it's a there's a process to making beats honestly and i almost make beats every single day to be honest while i might write a song like once in a blue moon or whenever i feel inspired you know so I find I'm way more, I've been a lot more focused on production this past year, and uh, whether that's a good thing or not, um, I enjoy teaching it, because it's a lot more straightforward to teach producing, and it's more in the background, but I also love performing, so being a rapper, I also love being a rapper too when it comes to performing, but when it comes to like being stuck in my room doing stuff, I love just being from my computer, like producing, and uh, and then I can also, I've been wanting to produce for other people too, and get into that kind of realm, so also as like a secondary like revenue source production has more potential for that kind of stuff too so, so do you, you you don't uh you don't feel like you wish you could be like writing more at all or, or rapping more like you're comfortable uh, when i have writer's block i do wish i could be writing more but uh i'm a big fan of not forcing anything and just going with the flow so if my natural energy is just to be like hey i'm really into producing right now that's what i'm supposed to be doing there's been ways where i'm just constantly writing that's what I'm doing. So I don't like to force anything because it might come off as inauthentic, but I'm a big fan of like, if you really want to do something, work at it every day. So, you know, I still, I talk about freestyle, I rap, 
I still write. It may not be great stuff. I won't be on my next record, but it's still practice, you know. So um, that's just a tip too for writer's block. Even if you're, whatever you're writing isn't great, you know, at least you're putting in practice. And so when you are inspired, you know, you got the reps down to be like, I'm ready to go, you know, or I know how to do this faster because I've been doing it every day, you know. So, or even another tip for writers, I know this is from the past question, but on my phone, I know you guys probably always have like random flows that pop into your head when you're in the washroom or on the bus or whatever, or you have like um, random lines, but not a full song. There's no problem just taking a quick video recording of yourself, mulling some flows or jotting down some notes. And then when you're ready to write and in the studio, you're like, oh, I'll just review my random mumbles and notes and they can be starting points to, you know, continue writing on if you're ever stuck on something. So that's another thing you can, con you can do every day. Don't have to write a masterpiece every day, but you can have pieces of inspiration. What are the different elements that led you to go so going solo? Oh, so you know about me going solo. Oh, I did mention that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're from the feds. Um, so uh, I um, honestly, it's I wanted. There's a lot of different reasons. I was going in different directions with other members in my group, and I think naturally when you in a group for a long time, if you're not vibing with the right energy, you just naturally kind of drift apart. That was one piece. Uh, creatively, it was nice to have control over a whole project to be like, hey, this is a slice of my entire brain, my feeling, and I could say that this is true to myself and I don't have to convolute it. And um, yeah, that was the main thing, like just to say things I really want to say without having to worry about what the other person want to say to you if it wasn't the same kind of vibe. So. Yeah. yeah, growing up in the West End, did you feel like? How do you know I grew up in the West End? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember seeing this mural and. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, growing up in the West End, did you feel like that area ever had you feeling held back to where you could fully achieve or? No, I love being from. I used to walk these same streets that you guys are hanging out. I grew up downtown as well. I used to hang out when this was like amazing gifts, oriental gifts and skywalk and buy silver moon stickers, you know. I love this area and uh, if I, and it's, the area I came from inspired me. If I had a uh, environment that didn't challenge me or anything like that, I feel like I'd just be complacent and I want to work hard, you know, and I'm not knocking where people are from, but I love the West, I love coming back here and I love, I love Winnipeg, so I can't say it held me back in any sort of way. And a lot of the people I met at that time, I still know a lot of people started rapping with her from that area and they inspired me to keep working at music so do you ever feel like your ethnical background or your identity ever held you back or yeah yeah held me back i would say mentally because honestly so i'm half filipino half african-american and then my grandmother's also metis so i have a lot of different and i'm also like part scottish somewhere you know like my great-grandmother uh, so, I, honestly, growing up, I grew up with my mom that was Filipino. I didn't grow up with my dad's family, so I never really identified with being black for most of my teenage years, for the most part. I grew up in the West End, which was all Filipino. You know, I went to General Wolf and stuff like that, so I never really, I would just take jokes lightly. I would watch the Pell Show and take it like a joke, like it was just a joke, and I never took things too seriously. And, um... Uh, you know, there comes a point in time in your life where you start to identify with the way you look, for the most part. And uh, that's when my mind started changing a lot and becoming more open-minded to learning more about my history, reconnecting with my dad's side of the family to learn more about where I came from. 
and uh, that really reflected a lot of my music a couple years ago. Uh, when you're mixed race, like oftentimes it's difficult to fit in, in certain places. Like I'm actually mostly Filipino, right? Like I'm actually of any race, but most people don't think of Filipino. So when I hang with Filipinos, they don't believe me, you know. So it's like, um, and when you hear, you know, negative things that people say about the races that you belong to, um, that come from your own race, it can be very hurtful sometimes, and you feel ashamed. I was ashamed to be like part indigenous when I was in junior high because a lot of people would always talk down on it when I was younger. And it's a way different time now where people have spaces to talk about where they came from and people are actually listening now. So that really forced me to take a look within myself too. So my last project was called The Enemy Within because I felt like there's so many parts of me that um, I would struggle with, with who I identified with and... I would get mad at people all the time from my own race when they would talk down another part of my race, you know, that I identified with. So it, um, it does really, I'm trying to remember the original question, but yeah, it does drive um, my music, like my ethnicity, so being mixed race. So. Feeling bittersweet. You are listening to UMFM 101.5. Oh, this is a live question. No. <laughs> what I did this week, I uh, yeah, I was at Nadinaway yesterday, so I taught for three hours so we, sometimes we just make beats for an hour and then we just freestyle for a couple hours that kind of stuff and then I worked um, I slept at night and I woke up in the morning <laughs> I had uh, ingested some food um, but you know it was I had a coconut shrimp breaded shrimp that I bought from uh, Sobeys the other night that did me well for two days um, you know so as someone that did his first gig around the age of 17 a lot of us are nearing around that age, and, you know, we want to try to start doing gigs. So what, what, what are some tips? Like, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different approaches. I actually get this question a fair bit sometimes, and I'll just tell you what I did, whether it was right or wrong, you know. Um, you could oftentimes try to open up for other artists that are doing things. So, you know, everyone tells you, you know, go to shows, meet people. 
and then tell them that you rap and that's how you kind of be like oh we, we need an opener you know people get to know your names so do those uh for local artists if you have friends that rap you know there's no harm in trying to book your own show at a small venue you know i used to go to little restaurants or anything and get my friends together and we're like okay well we're having a show and we're all gonna we're, we're all gonna headline or whatever and we'll all sell tickets and you get all your friends to come out and you build your own scene you don't want to make wait for someone to make a scene for you you know so you know you just that's one way to do it that's the ground up um hustler type approach you know um you can and then uh you can try to make bids that are like trying to open up for other artists that are coming to town that's a different kind of game because most people come to see the main artist and you start at ridiculous hours or whatever but you know that's another way too you can get your name out there and get practice so um yeah there's a few different ways but i'm a big fan of diy you know the worst thing for diy if you ever do it learn how to do live sound because it's really brutal <laughs> being the sound guy and rapping at the exact same time i've been there a few times so uh, with the music climate right now in Winnipeg with fourth quarter records and the lyrics, do you ever feel like there's any competition or are you just in your own lane? Yeah, you know what? I think um, it all depends on where your mental state is at. If you truly see life as a competition, then everyone around you is going to – life is going to stress you out and you're just going to be doing things for the wrong reasons. And honestly, um, I think naturally rappers feel this need to like have like – the rap battle mentality of like, oh, he did that, or oh, I gotta do this better, and all that, and it's all ego driven. And I've been trapped in that before when I was younger, um, but I found just being in your own lane and being true to yourself gets you a lot farther. And just being collaborative and you know knowing that we're all just trying to do our own thing. It's Winnipeg is the rap scene is new. Everyone has enough resources to do their own thing. There's no competition really needed. But yeah, so I don't feel like I'm competing with other artists for anything. You know. I don't see it as a, a race to get to a certain place because numbers are just numbers. Like at the end of the day, if you're just worried about how many people show up to your shows, how many streams you get and all that, that's just the moment in time. Like if you really want to be happy looking back at what you did from an art perspective, just do what's true to you and you'll feel happier in the long run, I'll say, rather than being like, oh, I beat this guy or whatever, you know. Do you feel happy about what you did looking back? Yeah, honestly, I – um. I don't regret anything, you know. Honestly, sometimes I would just say maybe I wish I took music more seriously at a younger age in terms of, like, hey, I'm just going to do this. But, you know, as you get, uh, it's a catch-22 because, honestly, when I was your guys' age, I didn't know all the things I learned by making mistakes along the way. So that's just part of the journey, and that's why I like doing workshops or teaching or hanging out with guys that I can give you guys, like, a cut maybe five years from your career for making mistakes that I made, you know. So, yeah, or it takes time to learn. You said today you just got off a three-hour workshop with uh, kids doing remaking and hip-hop. Do you feel like the next generation of Winnipeg hip-hop is in good hands or feel like it's getting worse by the year? Oh, it's, a good, it's, it's in good hands. You know, when I, was, when I was 15, there was no Studio 393s. There were no plates. No one really cared about hip-hop. Rap was just this random bug on the wall in Winnipeg, you know. like, And honestly, that now we have people that have gone through the motions of like, hey, I've we have guys like Nestor that are now teaching that have done hip-hop for two decades even, you know, and guys that have knowledge to share with the youth because they've done it. It's going to make – that's why we have so many great – even 3P, like, they're an example of a, a great group that came out of, like, knowledge from other people that did it the past decade. So um, as things mature and get better, it's just going to grow. So 
has come a long way. So I think we're in good hands. Yeah. You've been doing this for a long time now. Have you been able to point out distinct moments in time that were like stepping stones or or achievements that you feel progressed your career significantly? The moment I decided to like break out of my fear of leaving Winnipeg to do performances actually was probably the biggest thing for me last couple years is to say you know because sometimes you get in your comfort zone you don't want to leave or you get scared of what other people might think in different places but once you get past that it really opens up your mind like hey I just, you'll notice like I'm constantly looking for different places to perform now outside of Winnipeg I still perform a lot in Winnipeg but it's it's not like I'm not looking to do other things anymore so and you get a different perspective of how people do things in different places and you get ideas from different places to bring them back home um yeah, traveling really changed my direction, yeah. Well, out of all of the places you've played, where was your favorite location? Uh, like in terms of just – actually, I really – I went to uh, – in Winnipeg? or Anywhere. Anywhere. I really enjoyed Breakout West in Kelowna when I went in October. Uh, I've actually – I went to vacation in Kelowna a couple years ago, and then to actually play there was awesome. I just – yeah, I really enjoyed playing in that city, so. Uh, can you tell us about this beat showcase coming up? Yeah, so I am uh, I am hosting a producer showcase on the 20th, and it's going to feature about seven different producers. It's going to be at Fools and Horses Cafe, and the night's just going to be straight producer after producer playing a beat f back and forth kind of thing. So I want it to be like a really collaborative event where people can show up and just hear artists without rappers rapping over their beats. Uh, and just see what they've been working on kind of thing. Because a lot of times we just focus on the rapper and we don't know who's doing all the work behind the scenes and producers never get mentioned that show. So I think it – and I never knew how many producers there were in Winnipeg until I went looking, and I'm just like, holy smokes, there's a lot of people that make amazing stuff that you'd never know. And a lot of times they're just doing it in their rooms because most producers are low-key. So I wanted it to be a really collaborative welcoming environment where people can just, you know, play beats, get inspired from each other, network. And I want to make it a reoccurring event that I do, like, every few months where we can just all get together. It's just, like, a big jam for producers, you know? So. Anything new coming up? Yeah. Um, so I have a new single coming out in the next month, and I'm currently working on finishing my next EP that I want to have done by the spring. So that's my current thing I'm working on. Where can we find you on social media? You can just go to MalcolmJ.com, and I got all my links right there, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, all that. So, You are listening to UMFM 101.5. You are listening to 101.5 UMFM. This next segment has an interview with Marisol Nagash and Pluto. Pluto's a director. They f did a video and uh, it is about to come out in the first week of March, actually. So check your YouTubes, check your friends, because I think there'll be a lot of people posting on social media and such. Again, this is 101.5 UMFM. So while we're on tonight, I was trying to look you up, and I got pretty confused because someone said your, your Instagram name. Why is your Instagram name called Actually Marisol? It's more like a statement. Like it's just actually me. <laughs> so yeah, true. 
yeah. it, was, it was confusing a bit he said yeah like because because when you hear like it's actually marisol like you yeah. think like yeah that's actually them over there and you're just like okay yeah i get it i kind of like that yeah you know people gotta be really precise when they're trying to handle the instagrams like they gotta say they gotta really get the point across i guess it it might not be doing me a favor but i feel like i think it's actually pretty cool when people have like instagram names that have like something like i'm not blah or like yeah this is me and just like yeah it's you man we know it's you. You you keep you keep your name. I won't steal it. This we is actually have a funny story because I showed Victor uh, someone with my Instagram name. It's so funny that this is your first question. Someone has the Instagram name Marisol, yeah. and really? if I show you this photo, I messaged this gentleman who looks like he's about in his seventies. Happy man oh hasn't posted in two years, <laughs> and I requested that like, could I please take this d- name? That this is my name. <laughs> he oh hasn't gotten back to me. <laughs> You should probably read out the message. So I should funny. read the message out? Okay. Yeah. yeah, so everyone knows it's a true story. Um, I'll send you guys a screenshot if you need. All right, so. It's the funniest thing ever. On July 1st this year, I said, hello. I am a musician from Canada. <laughs> so lame, sorry. Who <laughs> says that? And I would like to create my Instagram account with my name, Marisol. <laughs> like yours is. <laughs> I was wondering if you could consider allowing me to change my username to Marisol if you do not use Instagram often. Thanks for considering. <laughs> and this is him. Wow. Yeah, so he got like little mustache going. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So that's the Instagram tidbit. <laughs> and it's like no reply because he's never on. Yeah. Wow. Uh. <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. So my name is taken as well. That's also <laughs> <laughs> to do with the question. Uh. That's me. Like every time I want it, I'm just like, no one has my name. Like I could just put it as Tan. And I'm just like, I guess not. Someone else has my name. <laughs> then I'll go put the, like the last name. And oh, there's another Taya Taylor out there. Wow, this wow. is this isn't happening. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> sorry. Okay, Victor. How did you get into videography slash direct directing? Uh, okay, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it very short. Basically, growing up, I didn't have a lot of access to the media. So, like, no video games, no cartoons, no movies or whatever. Hmm. And so, my cousin who used to come over was so rebellious, he would, like, make me watch all those cartoons, movies, and play video games. So by the time i was like in my teenage years i hadn't like really uh seen or like known too many things that people my age would have known because i was just so like my parents were very strict you know so i couldn't yeah. really do all that stuff because they thought oh it's brainwash or like it's just bad it'll turn and into so like every zombie person yeah, out in the world basically yeah and so how i discovered video videography even though the, the first story that i said has nothing to do with it sort of is I just kind of really got intrigued by how things like that were made, like how to make movies or how to make things look the way they look on film. And I went to this church where I used to do ushering, and then they had this little camera recorder, like a very old one, and then the pastor always kept complaining that we never had, like, any, like, recordings of him or whatever. I was like, okay, you know what, let's get a tripod and, like, start here. 
and so that was it like that was like that was a time when i actually started getting into video i recording church services on sundays and then after that when i was doing my final year of high school i did a broadcasting media arts program but prior to that i already been just working with different people but never really showcased any of my work just because i never really thought it mattered yeah. so yeah um yeah, I, I think that's that's my uh, story of how I got into video. Mm -hmm. I hope that made sense. It's just all over the place. Marisol, yeah. were there any difficulties putting your your thoughts as visuals with another artist? I think um, like there's always a challenge for me if I'm not doing something musical because that's like my familiar and like like most expressive discipline artistically. So to add that with not only working with another person but also for the first time and never having created work it was a lot of learning processes and the first thing that we knew when we were creating this project is that we were going to be learning a lot from each other because there are a lot of things that um will like in terms of like editing and like all the technical aspects just cr there's like language and all those i wouldn't say it was it's, it is difficult because it's new yeah. but it's just things that i'm like building my knowledge and for the first time learning these things and so when this song was written and to think about like a visual representation it's been actually like way easier to do like to have help instead of starting on my own and help in the sense that like someone who like this is their form of expression this is what they do and um because a lot of the things that I don't necessarily explain so specifically, he's like, okay, I, I think I know what you mean. And yeah. so um, for the things I can't explain and for those difficulties, I'm able to work with someone who's already like, has an intuition about, okay, what the project is trying to feel like visually. Yeah, that is cool. Cause like a lot of people can't get that connection with some other artists and then just, they're always like either bakering or they just come to like a close and they're like, yeah, we'll just work with that, what we got. But, like, knowing that you have someone that gets your ideas is pretty actually cool. Um, Victor, when did you start working with art other artists? Um, hmm. In high school, I had this friend called Jake, Jacob. Yeah, so he made videos, and he, he used to every time he like go out to different places and just will have me out because he wanted people like he wanted actors for his videos and so that was my very first collaboration like ever with yeah. video work um so yeah can you can you rephrase the question again sorry um when did you start with like working with like other artists okay yeah so I'd say 20, 2016, like really working with different artists. Yeah. 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 If if video if videography is an art, then yeah, sure. <laughs> That's it when is I started. An art. Okay, it is cool. An art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 27, 2016 is actually when I started working with one of my friends from high school. Yeah. Nice. Did you find that there were any challenges between your two ideas for the video, Marisol? Not at all, because Victor made it very clear from the beginning that he's here to take something I'm thinking about and really make it seen to me in a way, you know? Like, so what my imagination is doing, and he said that he wants to stay as true to it as possible. So as those ideas have changed throughout the process of creating the video, other, because we, you know, we were discussing the plans months ago, like three months ago, and then 
really began with all the gear set up only a few weeks ago from today so like the the ideas evolve but it's always rooted in the fact that like okay Victor is there on a direct directing end and lighting end but on everything to like oversee it but keeping in mind that like we're both working towards the same thing so it's never like I don't ever feel challenged by his anything he's like trying to um, offer more to like and and like his own ideas really yeah. too um did you guys have any brain farts while you guys were working uh is there another definition for that word like when you guys when you were working to something mm-hmm. and it was like well wh- where do we go from here okay um <coughs> i think we actually had <laughs> we had a there was a week where things were just pretty weird and i think we j- it's just because we overworked ourselves yeah and we both told each other hey we know <laughs> we should take a break we should actually <laughs> take a break and there was it was just it just got it really intense because we just yeah we were like we overworked ourselves so our bodies were not at rest our minds were all over the place so many things to think about because like uh, marisol mentioned like a while ago we didn't have a deadline like way before starting this video production but then when we got into production we had a deadline and and it it dawned upon us like okay we actually don't have time (laughs) you know we got scared and at the same time we're like no we got this you know and so that week we i don't know how many days we how many days it was a full week yeah (laughs) we took a full week like video what video (laughs) (laughs) we were all really relaxing yeah we left the studio and left everything there took a break came back and that was so so that was like the best decision we made well one of the best decisions (laughs) we've made because when we came back we're fully energized and like we had new ideas we just we really worked like well because we got time to reflect and like kind of like yeah like you know we so we would been learning about each other in a very fast like like it was very fast paced so we needed some time to kind of like cool like go back sit down chill and think about it like okay this is how marisol works this is her personality type this is what makes her laugh and this is what doesn't make her laugh you know <laughs> it's I'm pretty wild usually like <laughs> when you're creating with someone you know them yeah 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 so, so y'all had to like and victor is very quiet like yeah. like if you and it so working with someone and you're saying we're trying to create a new language which is like music and video Wow, yeah. In Can you say it better than that? Three weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> Y'all are wild. Yeah. Three yeah. weeks. I wish I honestly wish that there was more B roll footage of like some of the process, but Victor did get a lot. <laughs> but we're probably going to drop in terms of like yeah. what the like honestly what the process is truly like. Yeah. And it was like it wasn't just me, it's like when there's like seven of us in a room yeah. and we're like and no one knows each other you know yeah it's pretty cool yeah were you guys able to make any bloopers bloopers oh yeah, yeah. tons <laughs> tons oh my god <laughs> <laughs> there's some video that like turned out we're like wow okay we ne- like we're looking over clips uh yesterday and basically i told marisol i'm like hey you know what i'll play drums you play the keys you know because that's what she does she plays the keys very well and i said i'll try to play drums because i don't know how to play drums i just swallow your cue oh i think she followed my cue anyway and I put the ca- I set the camera up and I said she's like you're not gonna be in the in the in the frame like I'm gonna cover you because she's closer to the camera, and I was like ah oh, it's okay whatever and then so she 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 sat down on the on the uh, keyboard and I went to the drums and if you look at the video it looks so cool like the framing it's 
it's crazy I, th- I, th- I think I should show you I can't really explain in words you just gotta yeah, see it it's amazing it's like one of those amazing accidents oh, yeah those yeah. are the nice ones those also are the best ones also to mention like something that was really awesome is having Marisol's friends over like like it just made the environment so like awesome like the energy around was just great so it's i've never worked like that before like with random like um strangers you know i don't think they're strangers anymore i would say acquaintances at this point but it was it was like insane first time experiencing something like that like working around different people that i actually never met before yeah that's pretty cool yeah (laughs) marisol what does vulnerability and abandonment represent to you and where does it show in your art form? I was really interested in this question because I guess someone perused my online biography, yeah. found this phrase, and it was like, cause, yeah, and so that's pretty cool. And so I think the whole phrase that that is excerpt from is like, she is a performer of vulnerability and abandonment. So in performing, I'm vulnerable and I abandon things that I don't want to carry with me when I'm not playing so like if I'm like stressed or something's on the mind like you can't have that on any performance whether it's music or acting or if you have to go to work you have to dissociate whatever you're doing before that task so that's like the abandonment nature of it and vulnerability meaning that you have to share an idea that's solely from yourself so it is vulnerable anyone that puts a microphone to their face and wants someone to listen to what they have to say is being vulnerable in that moment so that's what that phrase means to me so your video i saw on instagram is like about bringing your nightmares bad memories is this like a way to show like what you leave behind and like show it through your video it's just a way to show a circumstance and like whatever the listener and the viewer takes from that is really good for them to like find their own take on what that means um so marisol came up with like the aesthetic the look and feel like the colors and she can probably say way more than i can about that yeah i think in terms of colors ideally it started like on a storyboard like with red being feeling really striking and like a powerful color and that to accompany like more to emphasize certain lyrics and like i choose or i chose colors for the video with like my association to them so like there are some where it's like really faded maybe a really faded treatment that's like purple and that is a calming and relaxing color to me and so i just find that like certain colors uh, trigger moods and it was more so than that um more so than that like things that we just feel like vibes right and it's hard to like give a like answer like oh this is the this is a science of why i'm choosing it it's just like hey oh we accidentally put the color wheel there that looks cool let's keep that you know yeah (laughs) so is there a teaser when is there official release date the official release date uh january 26 on saturday and um within the next between now and saturday so the next two days um we'll have a short teaser that syndrome puts on their instagram and you guys can keep an eye on that for that why are you guys releasing with a big project when you when you guys could have just released it by itself when victor and i first we're thinking of collaborating on a visual piece it was for another song actually and um chloe from synonym art consultation approached me saying that 
Um, she was wanting to collaborate, and as we talked more, I saw that um, Big Fun um, was coming up, yeah. and um, I wanted to be involved in sharing a lot of new music for myself, and for also like curating a show so that I could add other acts as well, and not just music, but people who I think are talented. So now what was going to just be a visual project digitally has become a showcase and premiere. So whoever um, is able to join us will get to um, share like what we worked on this month and then also hear the band perform new music. And FC Coconut will be the DJ of the evening and we'll have um, some different speakers. So like people reading their poetry and also um, guest performers and a visual uh, art sale. So being a free event, I felt like it would be awesome to have art that I know is really dope and that I think a lot of people will really like. And that's just another thing that I'm lucky to like be able to include in a show. So it's like all the things that I really appreciate that like more people can just walk through the door, you know? Yeah. So that platform to share with other people who like want to support not just like my project, but like also Victor, who's like yeah. our first collaboration. It's really cool to see that. And um, I'm happy. And like we said, we had no hard deadline, but like to push for a deadline to to make sure that I can reach more people. It's not just my friend base or people that musicians and that in my circle know, but you know, people across like the whole festival and yeah. maybe something on their radar too. And yeah, it was just a really cool opportunity to do a, a sho showcase of an entire show, not just a project. Are you guys excited about releasing? Oh yeah. Butterflies? Uh, mixed feelings? <laughs> Caterpillars. Yeah. Like, not yet. It's like moths. They're, they're itching there? They're itching? We're, we're just excited for what we feel after, you know, when the final product. You were listening to 101.5 UMFM. That was an interview with Marisol and Lagash and Pluto. In the Way is the name of their video. They were just talking about it before their release that happened. Part of Big Fun Festival. Their video will be officially released to the public within the next few weeks. So please keep your eyes posted. Try and make that go viral, whatever it may be. This has been Studio 393 on 101.5 UMFM. Thanks to all of our guests, such as Marisol Lagash, Pluto, Malcolm J, Rhonda Thompson, as well as the interviewers, such as Arian Rax, Osani Balcaran. Talia, Daddy Tay, Josh, and the list could go on. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. And also, don't forget, we're located in the Skywalk of Porch Place between the Bay and Staples. Doing everything from music, recordings, rap, dance, visual arts, and podcasting. Check you next week. I'ma let you go, grab my things from your breath, I'ma go
Instead of holding back, let's end with a fade out. 